Hi, I'm Gordon. And I'm Fiona. We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast. Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God, His people, and His purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. This year, I've been looking to hear God's voice in the everyday, ordinary parts of life. I want to hear him speak as I drive to work, when I'm having coffee and conversations with friends, when I'm watching TV, when I'm preparing meals, when I'm people watching on a train, and when I'm listening to podcasts, I want to hear his voice. Hearing him in the midst of the normal, everyday, ordinary, and not just those planned encounters where we set time aside for God as God time. And it's been a fascinating journey, and it's been a learning process. Where's Anne Curran? Anne. Anne is probably one of the best people that I have witnessed doing this taking the the routines and the everyday, ordinary things and intentionally encountering God in the midst of those. And I've learned a lot in doing life alongside her in that. Small groups are good for that. It's not good when your phone's not on the right picture. Okay. With apologies to the Greek scholars in the room, I'm going to read... So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. One One of the things that I love most about Scripture is that Jesus spoke to the people that he met in language that they would understand. He spoke about farming, he spoke about plants, he spoke about paying taxes, he spoke about losing things, he spoke about birds, he spoke about lilies, he spoke about banquets, he spoke about bread making, he spoke about fishing. And it was all rich in language and imagery that the people understood. It was familiar to them. They didn't have to work hard to connect with it. It was, it was part of their being. I was chatting a little while ago with Ashley Morrison, and she was just talking about, do you know, actually, Jesus made things simple for people, and sometimes it feels like we make it more complicated than it needs to be. Now, when Gordon spoke last week about fishing, God interrupted me, and I have no idea what Gordon said in the second half of his sermon, because God had arrested my thoughts and took me on a journey. I'm sure the second half was really good, 
but I've not caught up on podcast yet. And one of those things that he, he stopped me in my tracks was a trip down memory lane. And the other was a curiosity about what fishing might have been like for those early disciples that would give a foundation for what it would have meant to those disciples to go from being fishermen to fishers of men. So today, I want to take you on a little bit of that journey with me down memory lane, and then we'll go forwards into the early first century. But more than anything today, I want you to allow God to interrupt your thoughts and take your thought processing captive and take you on an adventure. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, that that presence just isn't in the room. The Holy Spirit, you can come and indwell us and you can reveal mysteries deep into our hearts and deep into the personal places of our lives. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and do a work in our midst today that we would hear you, that we would see you, that we would touch you, that we would smell you and that we would be changed by what you do in us and through us today. Make us attentive, Lord Jesus. Allow us to incline our ear to hear your voice. In your name, amen. So, a little map. This is where I went fishing. Anybody from Northern Ireland? Anybody from Northern Ireland? Oh my goodness. They're a noisier bunch in July. They're obviously just warming up. So, this, this here, although it's at the top of the, the top bit of water, is lower Lochern, and the skinny wee bit at the bottom below in a skillin is upper Lochern, because we're Irish. <laughs> our uppers and our lowers are a little bit mixed up. And we would have gone fishing in a boat that looked something like that, probably about 17 feet long, so if you lie three men along at that kind of length, a couple of bench seats, a little outboard motor, and some oars, because the motor didn't always work, and you might have had to have rowed a little bit, or to navigate yourself into one of the islands that habitate, habitate, do islands habitate a loch? The islands in the loch. And I would have gone fishing with my dad and my uncle. And we would have gone with tin foiled wrapped cheese and pickle sandwiches. And they would have had some beers. Now, I don't actually remember them drinking the beer, but I know there would have been beer in the boat. And it was probably when I was having little snooze that the beers came out. And we would spend the day in the loch. And we fished with rods and tackle. I had a lovely afternoon yesterday with Ian Morrison. And it was, do you know, God just, when God takes you on a, on a journey, um, he attends to the detail. Because I spent an afternoon with Ian and he had a, a huge big, um, display of, of different fishing lures and some of them were almost identical to ones that I remembered from my childhood and then he took out the the reel and I was like oh my goodness what's the word in that reel and it's Shimano that might not be how you pronounce it and the other one was a Shakespeare and in a moment I was back on the boat with my dad and my uncle because that was the name that were on the reels that I fished with. Now, it might be, they might be common as muck, but if you'd asked me 
what reels did you fish with when you were eight years old, Nicola? I wouldn't have had a Scooby-Doo, but seeing it brought instantly back a memory. And there's something about seeing the things of God and something about being eyewitnesses to them that, that catches us up to what he's speaking into our lives. And that's what the disciples witnessed back in the early church on this day. Now, we did fish with rods and tackle, and you had a license to fish in Loch Erne, and the license entitled you to fish with a number of rods. Mm -hmm. you, we did fish with that number of rods, but we would also have had a little hand line down in the water, because it was never good enough just to have four rods. You had to have the sneaky extra one, and you had to keep your eye for the patrol boats that would be coming around to check that you only had the legal number of rods. So more often than not, my job, when the patrol boat was far in the distance, was Dad and my uncle would busy themselves with looking like they were doing something noble and diligent with the rods, and I'd be wheeling in the hand line because it wasn't meant to be there. And they would relish in that. They would relish in breaking the rules. And they had a very keen eye for those patrol boats. So that's a picture of what fishing was like for me. We were fair-weather, social, hobby fishermen. We were spending time together, enjoying the company, enjoying the chat, or the crack, as we call it in Ireland, and enjoying the fun of meeting other boats along the way. Nothing took greater delight than spotting a German boat that had gone the wrong side of the, the allocated waterway, and they were stuck. So you got to go and help push them out um, of, their, of their predicament. And we caught fish for dinner, generally, not always. And we maybe, on a good day, caught some fish for the freezer as well. We caught pike, bony, not so tasty. Trout, very good. In fact, I've got a dish named after me, Lochern Trout and Nicola. And sometimes, if we were very fortunate, we might have caught a salmon, probably rarely too. But you know, although it was a social occasion, my dad and uncle were actually pretty skilled fishermen. And they would watch the weather, and they would know the loch, and they would know the islands, and they would know where to navigate around those islands to where the fish might be biting. But they would communicate with the others as well. They would meet their buddies that, that were out for their Saturday afternoons as well, and they would ask each other, where are the fish today? Or probably more importantly, telling each other where the fish definitely weren't. And there was teamwork, and there was camaraderie. So when Jesus tells me that I'm going to be a fisher of men, it would be easy to translate that through my lens of what fishing is like. Leisurely, social, an experience that I can take or leave, something that I can do while the weather favors an adventure, or when the weekend has a bit of space that we want to fill. But that wouldn't have been what the disciples' experience of fishing was. So God took me on another journey and took me not just to hear what he was saying to me in the moment, but also on a trip down memory lane. But I was hearing his voice in the moment, in that lived experience of what fishing meant to me. So for me, fishing and fishing for men is about connection. It's about taking time together. It's about learning that slower rhythm of life. 
It's about learning from one another. It's learning about sharing the joys of the successes and also the sadnesses when there was nothing in the water and nothing to bring home. But it was also about being prepared. We came prepared for a day in the loch. The weather could change quite turbulently, so we would have different clothing, we would have different lures to catch the fish, and we would have equipment that was ready for the task. And it was about teamwork. My job was often to prepare the rods, to, to line up the eyes and to take the fishing line up and to tie on the whatever we were using to, to fish with, attach the bait. And sometimes I got to reel in the smaller fish. But when the job was too big or the fish was too large or it was too powerful, my dad or my uncle would step in and I would get to be the one that came with the net. We played individual parts, but we worked together as a team. We worked together as family. And I learned a very important lesson as part of fishing, that sometimes you would need to, and they called it play the fish. Sometimes you would catch a fish and, and it would just <laughs> off it would go and, and your spinner would go <laughs> and it would take off and you'd reel it back in and it would get close to the boat and you're like, well, and then <laughs> off it would go. And we would do that for ages and the fish would be forward and back and the fish would eventually almost tire and it was time to catch the fish. And there's something that God was speaking to me in that last week of that needing to take time with people and sometimes catching them as a fisher of men, bringing them into the boat of, of relationship with Jesus can take a long time because they need, they need the time before they're ready to come into the boat. There's a lot of fishing that happens today where we catch the fish and we release it back into the water. And that's not what Jesus is calling us to. He's not calling us to catch and release. He's calling us to catch and hold and disciple. And sometimes life as a fisher of men is similar to my experience, happening in the social setting, bringing in fish and ones and twos, working alongside others in relationship, allowing people that time and space to be ready before they join us in the boat. And we can prepare for those conversations and we can do life together. But that's not all that fishing is. Fishing can be lots of different things. Gordon asked last week, who has fished? Show me who has fished. Okay. Tell me what sort of fishing you did. Sea fishing. Okay, deep choppy waters, that kind of. Anybody else? Fish. Who are other fishermen? What sort of fishing? The shore in the lake and the waders? No, no, no waders. Jeff doesn't rock the sexy waders. <laughs> Course fishing. Thank you. Anything? What sort of fishing? <laughs> it's gone quiet over here. <laughs> hmm? Okay. Thank you. Any other type of fishing? Any fly fishers? Oh, oh their hands were right up there. <laughs> that. Hmm? Guddling. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to get a dictionary for that one. Oh, gosh, gosh, there's a whole type of fishing I don't even know anything about. But tickle, tickling, tickling a fish, doesn't that sound good? Come, come and make me a, a tickler of men fish. That doesn't sound quite right, does it? Scrap that. 
and I was, I was caught by the, the fly fishing. And you know, there's, there's something about the, excuse my lack of understanding about fly fishing, but you're, you're distracting the fish. You're making it look like there's a little fly that they might find a very tasty thing landing on the top of the water. Now there's hundreds of flies out there and they could catch anyone and I was thinking, that's a bit like what it's like for people. There's lots of things to take their time and their attention and their focus off God. And we need to make God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit attractive to people as well. Not to lure them and to entice them and to, to make it something fake, but because we, we bring something different that can catch them and arrest their thoughts. So your experience of fishing, my experience of fishing, other people's experience of fishing, or your lack of experience of fishing will filter. When you read that scripture, it will filter how you translate it and what it means to you to be a fisher of men. So let's go to Galilee. So we have a map, another map. And Galilee, interestingly for me, was pretty similar in size to the loch that I fished in. So I was able to pick up a picture of what it was like for Jesus to be in that body of water and how suddenly a wind could come in and stir up the waters and it would be choppy and scary and, and you know, all, all that would have been going on for him as well. So I was able to understand a little bit about what it's like to fish in that body of water. So I could imagine some things, but the disciples weren't my fair weather friends. The disciples were commercial fishermen and they were part of a highly successful industry. Fish would have been the main protein of the day. So people needed what they caught, and they would have traded what they caught. And we know from what we read about them in Scripture that those early disciples were successful commercial fishermen. Peter and Andrew were self-employed, they kept their own schedules, they paid tax, they hired men, they owned a boat, and they owned a house that was large enough for their extended family and they worked in partnership with James and John. And they would have caught quite different fish from me. They would have caught tilapia, carp, and catfish. Any, any tilapia fishers in the room? No, probably not. So that's what they looked like. Tilapia, carp, and catfish. Now, they would have traded those fish fresh, but they would have also salted them and kept them for other seasons of sale. And the fish that were too small and the guts from the fish, they would have fermented in the sun to make fish sauce. And they would have sold that because it was widely used throughout the Roman Empire. So they used all parts of the fish. Now, the one that's up there that's quite interesting to me is the one in the middle. And it's a catfish. And if you look at a catfish, it has no scales and it has no fins. So to the Jews of the day, that would have been a fish that they wouldn't have eaten. They would have considered it unclean. But the Greeks on the other side of the sea didn't have any unclean fish issues, and they would have eaten that. So those early fishermen were trading with people from different traditions and almost different nationalities. So they were trading reciprocal relationship with people who did not hold the same values as them. Now, the tilapia, tilapia, somebody that actually fishes those will be shouting at me for how I pronounce that. They have some interesting characteristics. So that's the little one, top left. They often swim with their young in their mouths. 
But if they're not carrying young at the time, they'll pick up whatever they find at the bottom of the sea. And that can often be a stone. Or, if we remember some stories that, that Jesus shared with us and told us, if they find a shiny coin, they might pick that up. So knowing what fish Jesus would have been familiar with and knowing the characteristics of those fish makes sense of the story where Jesus tells Peter to go and catch a fish and in it he'll find a coin to pay the temple tax. It was miraculous that he caught the fish. It was miraculous that that fish had a coin in its mouth, but it would have been part of the culture and the familiarity of what Jesus was speaking into. Now, their boats would have been a bit larger than the boat that I fished from. They might have had a crew of five, four to row, and one to steer and supervise, quite like that, and to weather watch, to watch for the changing, the changing weather. And the boat would have been big enough for Jesus to lie down and sleep in. And it would have had enough space in it to carry back about half a ton of fish back to shore. Their fishing nets were not like, like my little cotton one down there. They would have been made of flax or linen, and they would have largely fished by night. They would have worked together in boats of, in kind of crews of two or three boats together. They would set up nets in between the boats, and then one of the other boats would herd the fish into the nets, and they would haul them into the boat, and they put the nets back out, and they would have repeated that many times throughout the night. But the work didn't finish at night. In the daytime, they would have been sorting the fish, washing, mending, drying, folding the nets, all ready for the next night's fishing. Fishing was profitable, but it was strenuous, and it needed major organization. So when Jesus chose fishermen to call them as those first disciples, he knew what they would bring with them. He knew that they would be strong, bright, independent, hard-working individuals, qualities that he knew would have been foundational for the beginning and the growth of the church. And that's what Jesus' picture of becoming a fisher of men is like, something that their very lives depended on, something that was intentional, taking time, energy, effort, commitment, teamwork and something that extended beyond the boundaries of their own shore, offering value to those with different traditions and beliefs. So where does this take us? Does our becoming a disciple, a fisher of men, does that match with the lived experience of those disciples? What's Holy Spirit whispering to us today that we maybe need to adjust or correct in our thinking? We find ourselves today at Pentecost Sunday, a day that changed the life of the church forever, a day when the Holy Spirit came upon the believers in a new and remarkably powerful way, and the disciples witnessed it with their own eyes, but they didn't just witness it with their eyes, they witnessed it with their ears. It tells us that they heard a strong wind. Can you imagine sitting in this room and hearing a, whoo, a strong, strong wind, thinking, what's going on? They saw tongues of fire above the heads of the believers, and they heard themselves speaking in foreign languages. 
and it looked like they were drunk, but they were not. They were experiencing something transformational in their relationship and walk with God. Those early fishers of men were seeing God in a way that they had to learn the new rhythm of. And we are still called to be fishers of men. That has not gone away. And we are still invited to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, to hear it, to see it, to taste it, to touch it, to smell it, perhaps. And those invitations exist just as much today as they did 2,000 years ago. So what is your challenge today? What kind of fisherman are you already? What is God speaking to you in that? What type of fisherman do you feel that, that God is calling you to be? And what is God speaking to you in your everyday ordinary? As you go to work, as you come here, as you meet for coffee, as you connect, as you do the dishes, as you cook the meal, what is God whispering? And are we looking and listening for the wind in those situations and looking to see the, the blades of fire on, on those situations? Are we actively looking or are we just doing the dishes and driving to work because that's our everyday normal? I want to invite you today to take some time around that, to be curious, to wonder with God what it means for you to be a fisher of men, but a fisher of men filled with his power. And as part of that, the band, could you come back up and just place gently? As part of that, I want to invite you to come and to take a fish. Now, there's no power in these fish. They're little wooden fish from Amazon. But the, I want you to take them as a small, symbolic capture of the everyday ordinary in your life, of the conversations that you're having with God just now, that whenever you happen upon that in your, your purse or your pocket or wherever you choose to put it in your home, that when you see it, you remember afresh the conversation that God is having with you today and the challenge that he's putting within you today. And as you do that in the everyday ordinary, you can lift it, you can respond to Father God and, and those stirrings and those challengings in you. Perhaps you want to renew that commitment to him. Perhaps you've hung up your fishing rod. Perhaps it's in a cupboard getting dusty. Perhaps it's a refocus on your call to go from that catching them one by one to actually let's get in the boat, go out with friends, let's get our nets out and let's catch multitudes of fish. Perhaps it's to get in the boat with Jesus. Perhaps it's to, to take that time and to have that conversation in the boat with Jesus. Perhaps it's a challenge to recast your nets. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you were a skilled fisherman when you walked 
alongside us and that you knew the stormy seas that those fishermen would have seen, that you knew that the calm waters that they would have experienced, that you knew the shifts and the changes of the weather in their lives. And Jesus, we thank you that you know exactly the same for us, that you know what storm has brought us today or what calm water has enabled us to walk in here today. And you know that full well. Lord Jesus, we look to you today to speak afresh, to challenge us afresh. Where would you have me fish? Who would you have me fish alongside? What sort of fishing would you have me do? And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and land in our imaginations and take us on a journey this week of the things that you're calling us to. the situations that you would have us speak into, of seeing you in the everyday ordinary. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, on this Pentecost Sunday. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your fire. We thank you that you come like a wind, that you come with flame, that you come with fire, and you can burn up that sin that is within us, that you can burn up and purify those things that we are drawn to that are not of you and you can transform us in an instant. Holy Spirit, we invite you afresh this Pentecost Sunday to come and do a fresh work in us, to heal us, to re-envision us, to empower us, to set us on fire, Lord Jesus, to have a hunger for the multitudes, to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. just as the band play, I would invite you to come and to take a fish and to commit and covenant the Father God afresh today.